note uh, on the assessment model review urban impacts. Who's handling that? I am, uh, <laughs> Your Worship. Okay. Uh, good evening, Council and Mayor. Um, this evening, uh, here's a briefing note before you that discusses the assessment review model that the provincial government has undertaken and finally um, released some information on. So this has been an ongoing process um, early this year and even back, I think it was discussed in 2019, um, to look at changes to how um, oil and gas properties or linear assessments <coughs> are assessed throughout the province and to consider standardizing a different model or rationale to doing it. Um, there have been representatives from a couple of provincial ministries to do this, um, and including representatives from AUMA, RMA, and then industry organizations. Um, the information and process was embargoed at the request of the province, um, but they have now um, started to release some information. So according to the the provincial government, the aim was to modernize the assessment model, which had generally been in place since 1980 um, or the 80s, um, and to take into account current costs, economic circumstances, and industry practices with a view to enhancing industry competitiveness while uh, ensuring the viability of municipalities. Um, this only includes the asset classes for machinery and pipelines, or for wells and pipelines, I'm sorry, the asset classes for machinery and equipment uh, were not included within this review. Um, RMA prepared a discussion paper on it, which was um, pretty good. Um, lots of information, um, including their concerns with the review. And a link to that is, is included within the report and you can review that if you want. Um, and a lot of the information is taken from their assessment. Um, at the crux of this is a change or a review around four scenarios with different rates of depreciation or amortization of the um, assets that are being dealt with. So for example, um, right now, when uh, an asset or an oil and gas piece of infrastructure is installed, it's depreciated to 67% of, of its uh, value. Um, and then it generally remains there. And that's the value it's, it's assessed at for, for the uh, span of its lifespan. Under the new models, um, infrastructure would be assessed immediately at 90% of its value. And there's some issue or, or concerns around the, the valuation model. Um, and then it depreciates at varying rates from scenario A to scenario D, um, which is, is an intention to try to show the true reflective value of, of those assets or infrastructure that's in place. Um, the scenario reductions, so again, if a piece of infrastructure is assessed at 67% under the new model, it would start at 90% and does drop down to 10% of its value over the lifespan of, of varying lengths. 
So under assessment or scenario A, it depreciates at a much slower rate than D, which is highly accelerated. From a rural um, financial impact, scenario A shows revenue losses to the rural municipalities of 117 million, up to $301 million under scenario D. And these are 2021 figures. There's no information past 2021. The province was unable or unwilling to um, present that information as they're the ones who did the review. They have the, the core information. So RMA and AUMA were not able to um, provide impacts any further out. Um, so again, these are the potential revenue impacts for the rurals um, within Actually, not just the rules, it's all municipalities, I'm sorry, but the rules would realize the vast majority um, of the impacts. Um, of course, these losses can be mitigated by other revenue enhancements or reductions to expenditures. So yes, um, there's revenue losses there, but there are ways to, to manage that. Um, there are some impacts to the to town ratepayers. Um, there's three significant ones. And what I've done for the balances report, for the report, is I'm assuming that the province implements scenario C. Um, and while I can't say for, with any certainty that that's what they'll do, human nature, um, in my mind at least, would tend to throw out the highest and the lowest of the scenarios and then pick one of the two middle ones. So I've done the same here and have gone with the worst of the two remaining. Uh, for the town itself, we would see an assessment reduction of $1.6 million. Um, and this is generally under any of the scenarios. Um, the difference is hundreds of dollars from a revenue perspective, which would result in a revenue loss of about $28,000 to the town in 2021. Um, and then we'd have to consider making that up through other revenue sources or changes or any expenditure savings to um, negate or mitigate that impact. Um, the significant impact potentially to our ratepayers is the shifting of education and seniors housing taxes from rural municipalities to urbans. And again, what they do is they take the total assessment for municipalities through the province of Alberta and with that they derive a rate. If rural municipalities have less assessment, um, that means that urbans have a higher assessment in relationship to the rurals. So our residents, um, or urban residents in general, would pay a larger percentage of, of that assessment pie. Um, the work on this is incomplete, but we have been provided some scenarios and the estimate is uh, on a house in town, which would be assessed at the average assessment of about $315,000 would see an increase of $50.54 on education taxes per year. Um, there'd also likely be a similar type percentage rate increase, and that's a 6% increase um, year to year from 2020 to 2021. Um, and you'd expect to see similar increases for housing and other um, uh, secondary or uh, other rates um, that we collect on behalf of the province or other organizations. <clears throat> the third impact, primary impact to us, is ICF and other funding arrangements. 
where assessments are a factor in determining contribution methods. So our recent ICF um, agreements, um, the use of assessment is a factor of the calculation. Um, we knew this as we went in and actually were able to say quite reasonably that we felt it was fair. If someone's assessment goes down, they should pay less than, than what they're currently doing because assessments are tied to ability to pay. Um, that's a, an influence or a factor for one of our ICF agreements with County of Northern Lights that does have a methodology of using assessed value. For Northern Sunrise County, it's a flat rate that was negotiated, so that doesn't change, so changes to their assessment doesn't necessarily impact that. And our ICF with the MD of Peace has not yet concluded, so it's um, we're unable to see what the impact there is. Um, a rough guess or a quick guess on County of Northern Lights. Right now they are approximately paying 28.3% of the cost of our services. Um, a 12% reduction in assessment, which is kind of under the scenario C model, would likely reduce their, their percent by about one to one and a half percent. So instead of paying 28.3, it's quite possible they'd be closer to 27% of the cost of our regional services, which again, on an assessment model, um, is reasonable. Um, the, ultimately, the bigger concern, um, potentially, is just the loss of tax dollars in the region in general. Um, you know, if these um, taxes are reduced, the savings would go to oil and gas um, companies. They would use it to probably further enhance their operations or for other, um, potentially for other services that may or may not be in the province or other um, factors in their business, such as uh, shareholder um, benefits and whatnot. So it's impossible to say what the true outcome will be from a regional or, or a provincial perspective. Um, but directly, it is a loss of revenue um, for the region and an impact. Um, because those will not be municipal dollars to be utilized or shared. They'll be um, going back to the companies for, for them to decide and their priorities may not align with municipal priorities. Um, so that is a concern. Um, it's unknown what the real impact would be. Um, under the scenario C option that I discussed, the MD would potentially realize revenue reductions of about 6%, whereas Northern Sunrise County and County of Northern Lights would be closer to 10%, which are significant. You know, so it's um, based on the information I've seen from the rural municipalities, they're um, very concerned about this. Um, they've done press releases, and again, it looks like the RMA provided a standard press release that many of them used, talking about how this would impact um, services to the residents. Um, reductions of services, staff layoffs, information around that. Um, and then they've also included how this could impact um, cost sharing agreements under the ICF. The recently negotiated ICF um, agreements have been put in place or other um, shared funding opportunities or ventures. So um, it's uncertain what the final impact will be. The rules will have a significant revenue impact and if they're unable to mitigate this um, internally, it's something that we may have to uh, 
be, be forced to deal with if they, they come to us and, and suggest changes to any funding that exists between the two parties. As it is now, uh, the province has not announced changes, but it's expected they will do um, fairly shortly, so they're able to implement this for 2021. Um, and as that information comes up, we'll report back to Council and then options as we start our 2021 budget. Okay, questions? Ms. Downey. Thank you, Your Worship. So Greg, from what I'm reading here on the impact, is the impact is a loss of revenue to the town of Peace River of 28,300 is approximately, right? That's correct, yes. And although it's not 10%, 28,300 is significant to the town of Peace River, in my opinion, as well as an increase of what could be over $50 more in education taxes. So we're looking at two increases, potential increases to our taxes. Actually, three because you get the foundation. Too. Oh, right, three. Thank you, Your Worship. Uh, yeah. So again, the the increase to our potential increase to our residents. So if you remember from our budget negotiations, each one hundred thousand dollars is about a one percent increase in in tax rate um, um, need. So thirty thousand dollars would be about a three tenths of a percent increase in in tax rate needs. Um, and again. Yeah, the education and housing could potentially go up um, 6% in terms of the existing requisitions, which is money directly out of our ratepayers' pockets. So, and I appreciate that. The thing about it is, is that when other increases are put upon our taxpayers, our, our homeowners, they don't look at their tax bill and say, oh, this portion has come from the province. They look at our their tax bill and say, what the heck, the town of Peace Rivers increased our taxes again. Yeah. And $28,000, although doesn't seem like a large amount of money, when we tack it on top of our other plans, yeah. it's $28,000. Just a comment. Thank you, Your Worship. Well, it's... Uh, it's well, uh, I think uh, uh, Minister Madhu, the Municipal Affairs Minister, is of the opinion that uh, we can find efficiencies. <laughs> yes, Ms. Madhu. Um, I would just like to comment as, as well that these scenarios are one-year kind of effects. We have no clue. It doesn't seem to be anybody has any clue what happens in year two or they're ongoing, do we? That's correct. Well, I'm, um, based on the depreciation model, as if the assumption is if the infrastructure that's in place is not replaced at a reasonable rate, um, so for example, if they put $100 million worth of infrastructure in the ground last year and only do $50 million this year, then yes, the assessment will depreciate at a faster rate than what, how it's being replaced and uh, those losses will increase. Mm -hmm. So yes, if it is under the worst case scenario, $301 million in 2021, you know, it's quite likely that'll increase to 305 or 310 million. Um, it's just that we don't know for certain what the level of that change will be. That information has not been provided, but based on the current um, environment of 
there has not been, I, I don't think there's been a whole bunch of new production. So the infrastructure itself is getting older and it's depreciating faster. Uh, the uh, right wing. Oh, actually. Oh, thank goodness. I was driving up. Uh, just take me a moment here. I shall Maybe it's a CO2 buildup. <laughs> well, I think one of the things to be, to, to be very, very aware of is that Minister Madhu has been very, very blunt in some of his comments. Mm -hmm. One of them was, and this is quotes from the uh, Calgary Sun, is that Madhu said, I'm looking to prevent Calgary from taxing people more. I'm looking to prevent Edmonton from taxing more. I'm looking to prevent all councils in our province from taxing people more. He believes that local governments have grown too big and aren't as efficient as they should be. And they should focus on core services. He mentions roads, bridges, water, wastewater, garbage collection, and potholes. Um, I think if we take if we take the man at his word, what he's basically telling municipalities is the niceties of municipal government to a certain extent. Um, some of the recreation stuff, um, some of the cultural things, and that are probably um, under very clear notice that he doesn't believe that that's part of the role of, municip of municipalities. And I'm just, that's his point of view. I'm not sure it's everybody else's, but it certainly is. The other thing to realize as far as um, rural municipalities and, and the impact on them, is that from 1996 until roughly 2018, I could be off for a year, their share of industrial property taxes went from approximately $400 million a year to roughly $1.4 billion a year. Well, the urban municipality's share of industrial property taxes went from roughly 90 million to about 110 million total, which means that 85% of the population saw an increase of roughly 10, 15, $20 million well, the 15% of the population in the rural municipalities saw an increase of roughly uh, round figures of billion. Um, so if you have a 10% decrease over that period of time, um, potentially, unless their infrastructure in the rural municipalities grew by that same percentage over that same period of time, um, they may not be, it may not really work out in my view to some of the uh, most negative impacts that could be seen, but that's just my point of view. I could be wrong. I've been watching some of the comments from some of the rural municipalities. And yes, this does impact us in a few different ways and it does impact them more. And I've heard and seen comments to the effect of this is going to, this is going to impact the, the, the viability of some, uh, rural municipalities and, and uh, you know, we're going to have to look at raising taxes and this is going to make all kinds of things more difficult. And I, it's not that I don't feel them for them at all, but there's a lot of other factors going in there. And especially when I look at their salaries too, and sorry, uh, I guess half of me wants to say, welcome to municipal governments on hard mode. And this is what we've been doing the whole time. So, well, that's the line we, uh, we used in the ICS and 
and we, we did gain more money, but I think uh, you didn't mention Mr. Town is I think there is a clause in the uh, NSC one where they can uh, reopen negotiations if their if their assessment falls by a certain percentage. Uh, there is, and that was included. I, I will also share that Deputy Mayor and I attended an AUMA okay. um, webinar a few weeks back, um, and this came up because there's apparently been a couple municipalities, or more than a couple, that have already received correspondence from their rural partners saying that this can or will affect ICF funding, um, mm -hmm. which AUMA, AUMA's position is that's um, very presumptive. Um, because the ICF agreements had been mandated are based on cost sharing for services, not following revenues. So to try to open this up on a revenue discussion, even if it is allowed within an agreement or if you want to terminate and go to renegotiate is a little disingenuous. So, you know, that's something that could be considered by rules, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm uncertain of what the success of that could be, especially you know, I'll say within ours, you know, revenue following or revenue models were um, completely dismissed. So to try to reopen based on changes in revenues might be a little, um, in my mind, disingenuous. And that's something that we could um, confront if it comes up. Okay, good. Another thing we noticed was in the education world, when things were, changes were made and cuts were made, a lot of those were based on the gigantic reserves that many school divisions had been building up. And something that I notice has been quite absent from the conversation around this all is what kind of reserves are some municipalities sitting on? There are municipalities not too far away from us that could run our town for 10 years without borrowing a single dollar. So if, if I'm going to have to read press releases about them needing to increase residents' tax rates by 500 and some percent to, to maintain gigantic, you know, cash funds that they're squirreling away to do what? I, if I was a resident there, I would have a lot of questions about that too. Yeah, but really the issue is the impact on us. And no, that, that is true, but it's... Coming out of our jeans. Or your dress pants. <laughs> it's jeans today. The camera doesn't go that low. It's probably good to stay that way. So, uh, yeah, because uh, uh, Miss, uh, Mr. Needham, when we bumped up the mill rate in, what would it have been, 2013? Or when we when we bumped up the mill rate in 2013 and, and we actually dipped into reserves to cushion that off, how, how much did the tax bill go up on average? Do you recall? It was quite a bit though. It, oh, it, it, yeah, it, I think in my particular instance, I think it was around $400 a year. So versus, okay. you know, the last couple of years is more like 55 cents. So right. no, there, there was certainly a significant increase. I guess if we're just rambling yet, your worship, and uh, just to uh, pile on, I, I guess, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm sympathetic towards anybody. If somebody wants to tinker with my income, I, I guess 10% makes me squeeze. But 
I must reflect back on the habits of rural municipalities. I look at the buildings they build. I look at their capital budgets. I look at how they spend money, their ability to fund projects. And we have, we, the town of Peace River, we've benefited from some of that, but uh, and, and there, and then there's their reserves as well. So I, I hear what the discussion is and I hear about what the debate is, but I guess just to conclude, I would say that any senior administrator or any CAO that can't find 10% in his or her budget is not a senior administrator. This is simple. There's lots of places for those rural municipalities to look for money uh, without affecting uh, mill rates or possibly bumping them, but they have lots of room to move on their capital and on their operating lines. So I am sympathetic, but uh, I think you got to let this play out. I guess I, using the word disingenuous, I kind of find it interesting the talk about reserves. Um, our town, we've been trying to add a little bit to our reserves. Well, why? So that we have future projects that are funded by something other than debt and the um, taxpayer's uh, dollar at the time. So um, at the same time, yes, some have had more uh, revenue and been able to build up reserves for whatever their plans are, you know, and we can disagree or whatever. I agree with Mr. Needham that um, the town in the last few years has uh, benefited uh, to the tune of, well, it depends on how you count the clinic and how you count the rec center in particular, plus a few other uh, things like Rotary House. Um, we have benefited from those revenues via the reserves or via the unspent monies that they had a surplus to uh, spend on more regional things. Um, it, it does worry me, um, as I mentioned, uh, what happens as the years go on when, uh, yes, their reserves are down to nothing. Uh, school divisions, some of them are experiencing some of that right now. Um, is this a long range, um, uh, thing that the province is going to get into and so towns instead of putting aside any uh, monies for reserves you might as well spend as best you can and get it all out of your uh, bank account as well. So I kind of just wonder where it's going in the end and I would have liked the province to give us you know a little more length of time to first of all consider this and second of all to um, talk we talk to each other uh the 30-day thing uh is kind of um awkward at this time of the year for one thing but um i i just don't know where they're really going after this and for the minister to say well gee you municipalities you spent money on stuff i don't think you should have spent it on um he had opportunity to talk about that during budget um uh things um on the other hand we're being told do something, make sure your municipalities are viable, et cetera, et cetera. Part of the viability is these extra things. Well, I don't call them extra, but things like libraries, museums, rec things. If we didn't have those, where would we be? And we have to fund them someplace. Thank you neighbors for helping us out a bit at times. And if that goes to sideways, well, we're going to be looking at different sorts of potholes, put it that way. And it's not like the uh, provincial government is paying their fair share for the airport and the service on that, so. Okay, uh, 
Um, we will take that under consideration. Mr. Good, do you want to uh, get your name on the, uh, get my what, sorry? Get your name on the uh, minutes and make a motion to accept their information. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, you've got another briefing note here. The Alberta Health Services Helicopter Emergency Medical Services Review. Couldn't they find a shorter title for that? Okay. Um, HEMS, it's the HEMS review. Okay. <laughs> uh, so again, staff attended a webinar um, put forward by AHS where they were gathering information and, and input on uh, what, and this was for municipalities, um, they've been doing other public um, type uh, solicitations of information also, but this is from, from municipalities, towns and rurals. Um, about uh, the current HEM service and what municipalities would like to see from a service going forward. Um, and then the questions and answers from the two webinars that they provided are attached and those are there for council's um, information. So as I was going through this, this was kind of ringing back to the um, air ambulance, the fixed wing. <coughs> um, RFP that um, had concluded a couple of years back and this really looked like the first steps towards um, AHS doing something um, potentially, I don't know if I want to say drastic on, on the HEM side. It's a little different where they have three providers at five primary bases. So it's a smaller um, type outfit. And, you know, I, I think having a helicopter land, they can land anywhere. So, the primary bases may not be quite as important, but um, there's no direct impact to Peace River at this time. The closest primary base is, is Grand Prairie. Um, but again, questions like that were asked. Um, a lot of questions around what service times and you know what the impact would be on, on municipalities. Um, so as I said, that information is attached just for, for council to uh, be aware of, again, there's still an opportunity, it looks like, if you want to put or um, add some more, more input, um, there is a website and a link where um, individuals, whether they're council or from the public, are able to, to uh, provide input or ask questions. So again, just an information item for council. Any questions? I have one comment. I noticed on page 16 of 100, it's the HEMS provider's equipment. There's a question. Uh, STARS is apparently buying some slightly different uh, helicopters that will have a slightly smaller flight radius. Uh, I guess um, slightly smaller radius, is that a couple kilometers or is that a couple hundred kilometers or what? Because maybe that would impact um, some of the industry in our area. I don't know. Uh, well, I, I understand you can make a comment on, on the website and you can put that question in, I guess. Okay. Um, so I motion Mr. Ford to accept your information. So moved. All in favor?
the next item is um, it's a request for direction. Oh, we'll have a decision to actually make here. Okay, Ski Hill Lease. We're ready to roll. Uh, your worship and council, the report that makes a difference. Um, presented to you this evening is in regards to the Ski Hill lease agreement. We try again. If everybody but the speaker could mute their mics. Is that the issue, maybe? Yeah, I'm, and I'm muted. My Perfect. Maybe that was it. Actually, I think that was it. Our IT and Promptu IT guys, excellent. Um, I brought forward to council an updated operating operating and maintenance agreement for the Ski Hill lease with the Peace River Ski Club. The reasoning for bringing this to council is that it is a uh, slightly different lease than our current lease policy for nonprofits. It's outside of that policy in the fact that it is a operating and maintenance lease. Our policy currently covers land and or building leases. This is slightly different. So I am asking for council's input, feedback, any direction you'd like to provide administration on this particular unique situation for a lease arrangement. Um, administration has gone through the current lease and, lease and taken the opportunity to update components of it. So simple things like uh, there was a crown lease amendment done in 2015 that the town initiated with the crown for the rec lease. Um, there was some wording that was missing within that crown lease, including uh, mountain biking and hiking, which are two very active and promoted um, activities within that crown lease. The lease was silent on those activities. So we've just included them Therefore, we're updating that component of the Crown lease into the Ski Hill lease for the portion that the Ski Hill utilizes for ski activities and potentially mountain biking and other summer activities. Um, we're also clarifying the actual map that we've provided to the ski club. Um, it was not clear in the past of what the lease was telling the ski club they could utilize. There's a two reasons for this. Um, we were actually placing a lot of liability on the ski club to pass on the entire crown lease to the club, which is not, um, it's not really fair to a nonprofit organization to expect them to cover all of the trails and other components that people were utilizing in the crown lease uh, that was not related to their ski hill activities doesn't preclude them from utilizing that space for mountain biking, other activities. It just sort of takes some of the liability off of the club uh, and places it with the town solely, which is, it's with us anyways. 
the other update is, unfortunately, um, because of the loss of those ski hill pumps, we've we've taken them off the the listing within the agreement, obviously because they no longer exist. It's replaced with a temporary pump that now we're again covering insurance-wise. So it, it's just updating some of those uh, um, listings of equipment that the town will cover. Um, something that council has looked at within that lease arrangement is some of the wording of our financial commits us to potentially uh, looking at some uh, financial commitment to the club, which we look at annually through our budgeting process. So it's just the language related to the conversation of we may look at adding components to our operating budget to financially support uh, the maintenance. And it tends to be typically the chair um, chairlift maintenance and the inspections on the T-bar and the chairlift. Um, and then the other components like the utilities related to the chairlift, we have been paying that bill. It's just clarification within the lease arrangement of very clearly who is paying the, those utility costs. And water is the other one. Will the town has committed to pay for the water for snowmaking only? The club is responsible for all chalet activities and utilities related to that portion of the overall uh, operations. Um, we have typically done lease terms for five years. This particular lease we've kept within a one to two year term. So if council would like to maintain that average of one to two years, um, I'll opt for two years because one year goes by really quick <laughs> for both parties. Um, but that is uh, another question I have with council. Would you like to maintain a two-year term or are you comfortable with setting a five-year term? Um, and then lastly, the last component, this intermunicipal collaboration framework agreements that we have in place. Uh, Director Town and I have discussed um, a separate agreement on that particular area and not including it directly into the lease. Um, some of the rationale behind not including it into the lease is um, they may not be always coterminous, they might not be parallel systems, they're not necessarily joined at the hip per se. Um, following just the conversation we had previously uh, by Director Towns around um, potential impact on those intercollaboration framework agreements, uh, we'd hate to tie them together. Uh, and have it more difficult to have a adjustment to a financial arrangement that's within a lease as opposed to a separate agreement. Unfortunately, it potentially has a little more confusion for uh, a group of volunteers if we have multiple agreements with them, um, but we can find ways to make sure they're tied together so they're not, neither one is forgotten or missed or that case, but that's what we would recommend is having a separate agreement on that, that other financial piece. So I'm just looking for councils, any feedback or comments you may have on what's being proposed um, and any other thoughts that you have in regards to this particular lease. Okay. 
<laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Tanya, when I read this and it was dry, I also thought what the worst or what Tom has said is, you know, is has it changed enough in the last five years for us to warrant two years? Okay. Uh, the other part that I wondered about was the pump issue. Like, was that in there? I didn't really see it, but I don't know whether I'm reading it properly. No, you are correct. The only um, reference to the pump situation is the, the change out of the previous two pumps pieces of equipment that were damaged and now are no longer in place to the existing uh, new temporary pump. And really it's more of um, an internal listing for our purposes for their insurance and our insurance to verify what is actually on site now. So that change uh, in the future, we would have to maybe update the lease to include any changes to uh, structures, buildings, the additions of new pumps, that kind of thing. So a, a two year lease would give us flexibility then adding some of that new year, uh, new year information, new equipment information. Um, five years, we would just add it as an addendum later. Potato, potato. Um, the other part that occurred to me, oh my gosh, I think I lost my train of thought. Oh, under the ICF, didn't we already include it into our Northern Sunrise ICF? So, Kim, were you talking about taking it out of the ICF, but adding it into the ICF? I'm sorry. No, it, um, what we would like to do is have a specific agreement with the Peace River Ski Club so they understand the municipal arrangement between the town and our municipal partners with the ICS. So it has to be very clear for the club and I've had a conversation with the club already that um, they no longer need to go and request funds to our municipal partners, the two parties that have agreed to fund the ski club through the town. We need that very clearly stated so that um, the club doesn't inadvertently cause themselves hurt yes um and so they understand where the funds are coming from and also that we recognize the parties fairly so sort of multiple purposes to that arrangement yeah so you want five years i'm good for five years you worship but i would have a question if i may uh danny could you talk a little bit about uh I guess I've defaulted to the, uh, the schedule on insurance and as council knows, and we all remember the, the frozen pump and the, the million dollar bill. So thinking of this lease and thinking of the topic of insurance, do we ask the ski club to do, um, well, to do anything to protect those assets more than, more than what we're doing? Is, is there something in here that I missed or, uh, so there is within the schedules of the lease arrangement um, and, and within the actual lease itself, it shows up in a couple of places. Repairs and maintenance are the responsibility of the ski club and in turn maintaining our assets. And then in one of the schedules, there's very uh, laid out uh, requirements of that they are responsible for all preventative maintenance. So duct cleaning in the kitchen, uh, fire alarm testing, 
so forth and so forth. So all, all of the basic maintenance required is still within their operational realm, and we do require that of them. And we will follow up uh, to ensure they have done uh, some of those particular items. Yeah. yeah I, I guess I, I did read that, but I just I have to default back to the insurance claim, what was lost, and yeah. there's an ocean of an ocean between those two figures. So yeah. just want to make sure that we don't do this again. And uh, if it happens, make sure either we've got the insurance or they've got the insurance so that Correct. we're not scrambling trying to find a million dollars. So Yeah, and, and that particular situation with the pumps is very unfortunate because of a lot of the code requirements today versus the existing system when it was put in place a while ago. Um, it, it, that's where, unfortunately, that it, there's a huge divide there. Right. Yeah. And, and just one final question. So I see there's a sub document in here with schedule that it talks to a lease with the government of Alberta. And I, the most current date I see on it is 2015. So I see you nodding your head. So is that current? Can we use that, a 2015 document in a yeah. the, the crown lease is, I believe, a 25 year lease. Right. Yeah. So it was from 2020, or sorry, 2011 was the original crown lease with an amendment in 2015. So they have another approximately 20 years on that. All right. We have an approximate 20 years on that okay. lease still to go. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I see that someplace in here it says that they have to keep the, basically the, property looking good with respect to weeds and upkeep generally is that generally what happens in all the town leases or is it only specific to this one no um over the last five years we've eliminated any uh maintenance by the town on any land or building lease where we were cutting grass um, for example, the daycare was probably our last location and the Aladair Rec Center uh, approximately three years ago. Um, we provided notice that we were no longer doing grass cutting on their sites. It, as per their lease, they should be doing it. It was a bit of an old operational piece that we have slowly untied. So each location is responsible for their own. Yeah. That's good to know generally. Thank yes. you. Does the ski hill want five years? Um, that is a very good question. And I met with them approximately two weeks ago and we were discussing two, approximately two years, but I can touch base and make sure that they are comfortable with five years before we put it yeah. to paper. Absolutely. If everyone ends up happy at the end of the day, then yeah. so am I. I'm fine with five years. Oh dear. I'm going to roughly say 10,000 a year within that range. And on that particular bill, that's not necessarily the usage or the distribution or even the transmission costs. We are still paying, the town is paying the installation of the transmission that was um, put at the top of the hill for the chairlift. 
So the town is paying off, essentially it's an ACO debenture that you pay annually. Yeah. So that's a portion of that also. So their actual usage is probably a lot less than that. Uh, in terms of, of use, maybe on a good year, yeah. We haven't had a, the chairlift running every weekend for a four month period. Um, and I should ask them that actually, uh, how often they're actually operating it and keeping track of that, just so that we can get a sense of um, what is the usage for, <clears throat> pardon me. We absolutely could, but in 2018, you decided not to, but you have an opportunity now to make any changes you would like. Can I just clarify, you're discussing electricity only? Right. Yeah. 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 Yes, and they're not there yet. Um, we haven't had, we've had some preliminary conversations with them. They were looking at the biggest issue right now is engineering um, a hook or a carrier piece onto the chair to be able to do that. And they are, there are some challenges to it. So um, operationally also, it's not a inexpensive thing for them to jump into. Um, they run into uh, real financial issues around increased costs of insurance. Um, because their current insurance is ski activities, some basic summer activities. But once you add the chairlift for mountain biking and downhill mountain biking, it, the risk level goes significantly higher. So they're still working on their operational planning. So that's something we can always discuss if we see a significant or are anticipating a significant increase to the town's component of the budget that we commit to it. Again, as part of your annual um, conversation around that ski hill budget, that's something that you have some control over annually. Correct. Uh, you could have a discussion around the maintenance components. The chairlift part, we have specifically said we'll pay the utilities, but if they're adding, a new activity that then increases our costs, we can reopen the lease to, to have a conversation about that. Yeah, absolutely you can. Probably yes. I'm not, this year unfortunately is going to be a very unique year for all of our user groups, whether it's the ski hill or hockey or swim club or um, everybody is not 100% certain what their new normal is going to look like for the upcoming seasons. Um, the ski club was just discussing not being able to host their annual fundraiser, which is their Snowfest or Oktoberfest or whatever fest fest they were planning. Um, they won't be able to host that this year. So that's a significant revenue loss that they'll have to... Well... I had some ideas like that also, um, <laughs> oh, but it felt a little restauranty. So I, I, yeah, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to handle that yet. Um, so this might not be the year that we want to start looking at 
uh, increasing their operational costs. On the flip side of it, I'm not sure they're looking at increasing their own operational costs either. They're going to have enough complications that I don't think they'll be adding um, a very high ticket item like a downhill mountain biking major event this summer coming up. It's, it's just, they're not quite there yet. So they also still want to be called ski club, like if they're doing this other stuff? So their official organizational legal nonprofit name is Peace River Ski Club 1963, I believe. Um, but they're referring to the ski hill more as Misery Mountain Ski, Misery Mountain Bike, Misery Mountain, there was a third. They're trying to rebrand themselves a little bit, yeah. Which is a great idea, because their summer activities, though this summer, for obvious reasons, didn't quite pan out. Um, they were intending to segment off their activities to be more about, they are Misery Mountain, but they have all sorts of great seasonal um, recreational activities available. So I think they're going to, there's a new board. Um, about 50% of their board has changed over and they have approximately 12 people on the board. So they've got a, a, a lots of new folks, but still a core group too. So that's a nice balance. Some new energy and and still some history with them. Okay, perfect. I, I, either one is absolutely workable for administration, yeah. I, I am not adverse to that idea at all. <laughs> Great, thank you. If council would like to make a motion, you absolutely can. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I just closed my report. That wasn't very smart. Um, Somewhere along the lines of confirming a five-year term within that motion would be uh, preferred and the uh, changes as recommended and just the updates for the crown lease and the update of the chattel listing those were only the the only significant changes within the document Absolutely sure, that's correct. You want me to take a shot at this? Okay, so I'll move to direct administration to uh, offer the Ski Hill lease terms as presented uh, this evening um, at uh, term agreed to by the administration and them from two to five years. No, that's it. My phone started going off.
Mr. Parker is presenting this one. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay, sorry about that. Uh, I didn't hear uh, um, your worship. Uh, you're kind of... Hey, you're on deck. Ah, better. Perfect. There I can hear you. Alrighty, uh, thank you very much, uh, Your Worship and Council. Uh, before you, you have uh, a report on uh, the ICF Committee of uh, Northern Lights and the Town of Peace River. Uh, in the agreement that uh, we have with them, uh, we are to uh, form a committee. And uh, this year, as you know, we've signed off on the ICF uh, uh, Intermissible uh, Collaboration Framework. I'd received an email from the CAO asking, uh, do we want to form the committee this year? Do we want to form it next year? Do we want to meet? Uh, do we consider actually all the meetings we've had as we were going through the process of uh, putting together the committee, uh, uh, consider uh, it that uh, meeting. Um, and so basically that's the background uh, of the information here. So uh, we, even though we have met, um, it is uh, administration's uh, suggestion that uh, we do appoint two members of council uh, to the committee. And also, uh, we are looking at um, setting some dates uh, either in October or in November to actually uh, formally meet. Uh, the reasons are is um, we are looking at doing some planning for next year. Uh, some of it has to deal with uh, some capital. And uh, even though the operating uh, ICF uh, components uh, are fine and settled uh, for this year and next year, uh, the capital is not. And we would uh, we need to have these meetings, in our opinion, in order to uh, move forward with our capital plan and our budget process. So tonight, uh, before you, uh, uh, we do have uh, either to have council. We give you a couple of options that council identify, and appoint two members of council uh, that would serve on this committee, the ICF committee, and between the town and CNL, um, and also propose some meeting dates. So the two things we're looking for is we're looking for two counselors and a couple of meeting dates for our October, November. Uh, or the second option is to decline uh, 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 that for this year or to identify two council members, but we don't have any meetings until 2021. So in a nutshell, uh, we're hoping council would go with option number one, um, but I leave it up for council to discuss. So the reason why you want to uh, uh, have a meeting in October or November of 2020 is to kick off uh, discussions around capital, correct? Correct. That is correct. And, and we do have a. Um, we do have. What some, are you? What's your target on the capital? Oh, uh, it would be if um, some of these projects that we're looking forward um, going Which forward. Which are the projects? Mean to bring to council. Which projects? Okay, so, so some of them is the ski hill, the pumps. So because the pumps is a re, uh, the ski hill is a regionally funded uh, uh, organization, one of the projects we'd like to bring forward is uh, the actual ski pumps. Okay. Any uh, anything else that you think that this committee should uh, should focus in on? That's the main one right at the moment, here, Your Worship. Okay. Who uh, wants to volunteer for this committee? I have another question before that, if you wouldn't mind. Um, number six on the terms of reference here says that two elected officials and an alternate are what is suggested. 
And someplace else in here, it says the quorum is two elected officials, uh, I think from each section. So to my mind, I think an alternate might be helpful in some of this discussion in this ICF uh, community. Okay. So what, what, is the, what, what is the quorum? Is it two from each side? It, it's two from each side, but if one individual can't make it, then an alternate um, can be appointed. Okay. And it's just uh, like, so it just, oh, sorry. And then the other uh, main component of it is you have one member of administration. However, you can have as many support individuals to assist. Right. So, and uh, during the meetings, the administration or support individuals uh, uh, do not speak until the chair uh, actually recognizes them. So we'll, uh, so we should, uh, we should probably go with option one. So we start dealing with the skill ones, right? So, uh, so who wants to volunteer for that? I'll volunteer. Okay. You'll volunteer as well? Okay. Good. Okay. Your Worship, the other thing I thought about, oh, I'm sorry, oh, before we vote, is that I think it's important for this council and the current councils with our ICF partners to, to engage in discussion now that, with the exception of the MDPs, uh, our ICFs have been determined so that the next council doesn't come to the table with a complete blank slate. Right. That's why you're running again. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, the, uh, okay, so we need a motion to accept uh, number option one, I guess. Okay. I would make that motion and okay. suggest that uh, Councillor Good and Scamahorn are the designated ones and Councillor Downing is the alternate. Okay, very good. All in favor? Thank you very much, Your Worship. Say that again? Oh, I said thank you very much. Okay. Oh, my favorite organization, Preda. Request for decision, Preda funding. So thank you again, uh, Your Worship and Council. Uh, before you is um, a request from Preda, and I will ask the Deputy Mayor at any time to jump in. If I get something wrong on this, I, I think I have most of the information correct, but uh, uh, she's the one who did attend the executive meeting uh, when they made this request and might have a little bit more information. We just have a basic little letter. Um, so, um, as you're aware, Preda has um, uh, lost out in funding from the uh, uh, provincial government. And so what they decided to do was to increase their fees. So their process of um, charging is on a per capita basis. And so what they did is the current per capita basis is uh, 50 cents per capita. Um, what they looked at is they looked at uh, to try and recoup approximately 56,000, almost $57,000 they decided to go from 50 cents to 75 cents. When uh, council met earlier in the summer, uh, we looked at um, thinking that there should be some uh, alternate ways of, of uh, maybe coming up with some funding models. And uh, administration was um, uh, directed to physically send a letter off to uh, the Preda um, 
uh, uh, governance organization and suggest some different options. So um, administration did, and what we did is we put together a couple of uh, spreadsheets with some options, and then we asked them to also spread it to all their members so that when they voted earlier in the year, they can, uh, or uh, later in the summer, they could uh, they can have a couple of different other option versions. Um, I don't know if those um, our, our letter ever was passed on to all the other communities. Um, it might've just been the executive at the time. However, they did vote. Uh, they did vote to go from 50 to 75 cents. However, they um, came back to uh, the town and said that uh, what we could do is we could make a proposal, make a motion and a proposal of a different rate or a different method of um, uh, collecting membership dues. Um, however, the one uh, criteria was, or there was two actually, is it had to be uh, recouping the same amount, the $56,000 that they were hoping to recoup. And the second thing is it couldn't be more than, I think, $16,700 for the fee um, for County of Grand Prairie. They were capped uh, at about 16,700, I believe. 17,000. Um, pardon me? 17,000? Yeah. Okay, 17,000. So that was the max that they could be. So um, before uh, you counsel, we have a couple of different things. So if, if you take a look at um, the very first current funding one at 50 cents, what you can see is um, when they do it by population, the town of Peace River is, uh, contributes about 9% of the total amount of money. And we're the second highest. The highest is uh, the county of Grand Prairie and we're the second highest. So it, takes, it doesn't take into consideration of the ability to pay at all. Um, and you'll see that as we start to go down. And then when you go to chart number two, where it's 75 uh, cents per uh, capita, again, uh, the town of Peace River is second and uh, at $5,100 and the county of Grand Prairie is 16,700. So what the two new models that we presented is we presented the assessment model. That's the third one and it's based 100% on the assessed value. So if you're, you're looking at all these uh, organizations, you would then see that the town goes from second to eighth in this one here. And we basically would be paying um, about $3,481 less. But what else is very interesting about this chart right here is what you will see is you'll see there's only four municipalities that actually would be paying more under the proposed just per capita. And basically what you would have is you would have uh, the rest of the organizations, uh, 22 of them, that would be paying less money. And it, it ranges from, you know, from I think $132, the lowest, all the way up to a couple of thousand dollars um, for the highest, I think 3000 is the highest. But this one, Basically, it then targets a lot of the organizations that have the ability to physically pay. And even if you take a look at like Northern Lights, or, or sorry, Northern Sunrise County, Northern Sunrise County actually would be just paying $2,300 more um, uh, under the current proposed rate that they have right now. Um, so 
if we also then did another scenario, and we did a scenario, which was the chart number four, which was 50% based on assessment and 50% based on population. And when you do that, and then you take a look at the rank, Town of Peace River goes from number two to number three. So instead of paying 5,000, we'd be paying just around 3,300. And if you take a look at that, going back to the very first slide, we're basically, we'd be paying $100 less than what we're paying right now, currently in this current year. So uh, this is the closest, um, um, well, I'm gonna say closest. This is, it seems to us, you know, a, a fair method of uh, looking forward because it breaks in not only population, but also the ability to pay. What also this does is it, it brings the County of Grand Prairie down less than what um, was asked at 17,000 by approximately $1,500. And it's about $1,200 less than um, the uh, current uh, rate of, um, of, of what they are being proposed to pay. So as we looked at this, um, we're presenting it to council and we're gonna say, uh, council, where you have a couple of options. The first one is, okay, well, let's go with the 75 uh, cent per capita model only. Uh, option two is uh, we present a special resolution to the September 18th, meeting the um, assessment model. Or the third option is the assessment and population model. And basically, uh, administration is suggesting the assessment and population model but it is up for council for a discussion. Well, to quote, quote the famous words of uh, Greg Town, it isn't people that pay taxes, it's properties that pay taxes, assessment that pays taxes. But you will go down in history. That'll be your quote. I'm quite comfortable with um, kind of either one of the combined assessment models. I mean, I think you can have a discussion, you could argue both, but um, I, I don't really have a problem with the 50% model of assessment population or the 100%, but I think instead of speaking of it as ability to pay in terms of assessment, who benefits from economic development? I ran a business for years. Business benefits from economic development. People benefit only indirectly from that, but the businesses benefit directly. It's cash in their pockets. And when it's peace region economic development and you're gonna be benefiting business, then businesses should put up some of the, of the funds. When you base it on just population, you're basing it on the fact that your people are the people that benefit from it, not necessarily the, the businesses. And some of the larger stakeholders and businesses don't end up paying anything at all. So um, in that scenario, and I, th I think that that's really basically unfair when you're talking about economic development, a combined model to be more accurately reflects the reality. And it's not on ability to pay. It's on you pay for, you're going to get some value from it. So I don't have a problem with that. Matter of fact, I have, I think it's a much better solution than saying it's just population based all the time. 
And I'm getting tired of everything looking at when it costs money, it's population based. And then on the other side, we're going to go for assessment because we deserve the assessment because we got the assessment because the border happens to be magically in our favor. Really, as I've said before, whether you're wealthy or poor in this province is based on two things, happenstance and history, nothing else. It hasn't, doesn't have to do with any other factors. So this is actually putting a bit of logic to the reason for the existence of the organization. I'll leave it at that. So really in the, uh, in the scenario, uh, in the last scenario, 50-50, um, the MD of Greenview goes up seven, 7,500, Big Lakes, $26. And Northern Sunrise in the County of Northern Lights, 1,300 and 1,100 each. And everybody else goes down. That is correct, Your Worship. Uh, in either or scenario, only four organizations are basically uh, affected, and uh, 22 of them actually uh, are affected in a, let's say, a positive way, and four affected in slightly negative. The whole membership votes on this, right? Um, yes. So the idea is that we bring a special resolution to the September 18th meeting, and if there's enough uh, support there that then it, this goes to the next uh, AGM to vote on um, the fee for municipalities. And should just mention on a sideline there that there are other categories of membership. Uh, for instance, Northern Lakes College belongs to um, this particular group and they have a, I don't know, I forget what their membership is. Um, there's very few businesses uh, that as individuals belong to this. The Chamber of Commerce though, um, I think they're members of some sort. Um, so there is yeah. a business component there, but we're only talking municipalities with respect sure. to that because they obviously fund the... So which one, uh, so probably if we presented either one of these two scenarios, they would be, uh, the, the vote would go in our favor. Well, when you look at the uh, ones towards the bottom, um, some of those uh, small villages and whatnot, uh, they pay minimal for belonging to the group. And uh, part of the group scenario is that their executive director and um, support person would go to them with uh, help for anything economic, shall I say, including research as to what their community might need. So for a minimal amount, they could uh, perhaps uh, have a large um, um, outtake from this group. Yeah. Yeah, so I would think scenarios three and four, and in particular scenario four, would uh, have a good chance of passing. What about scenario three? Scenario three, uh, that's the assessment only, 100%. Um, well, I could- You're only gonna get uh, uh, probably at best three people voting against it. That could well be true. So um, I, I guess the idea is, yes, you're asking, do we go forth with which of these scenarios or all of them or, or what? present all of the information and say, we want scenario, whichever. Well, that's what you would do? You would present all four? No, I'm saying we could, but what's best 
it's up to council what you guys think is best. Well, someone's going to pay your salary, so thirty-four hundred should should help somewhat. Paying my salary? Yeah. <laughs> it it might help, um, Ms. Manzer, if you went uh, and maybe um, Mr. Town could help you out with this. Add a new column, um, so the amount they pay, put that column in as a percentage of their total revenue as well, um, because for Greenview to pay, let's say, you know, fourteen thousand dollars more, it's point zero one is going to be such an infinitesimal amount of their, you know, compared to, you know, so if we showed the change of in that, it would it would give people, you know, it's not dollars to dollars, you know, any more than, uh, you know, what the guy living in the refrigerator box, you know, down below the mall is paying compared to me on something, right? Like. Ten dollars to the two of us means two totally different things. So we should be, if we're gonna send um, Councillor Manzer into the wolves, there we should uh, give her some some good ammunition. I found it uh, somewhat ironic that the county of Grand Prairie seems to get a a caveat on this program uh, it sort of got my back up when I first read this it's why why is the county of Grand Prairie saying the maximum number I'm in is 17,000 and then as I go through the charts it turns out that they're not even well, I guess they're somewhat close to that so uh, obviously the county of Grand Prairie thought this thing through because where did, where did they magically come up with the 17,000? And it turns out under all those scenarios that their, their ask is met. So I'm, I, so they, they obviously know that something is coming and they obviously thought about the various funding models to come up with that number. Uh, they just didn't pick a number. Um, I think the background to that was uh, County of Grand Prairie looked at uh, what they would pay and it was about 33% of the whole um, ask of the 56,000 or something. Mm. It was more in that line. There was, it was the big percentage that way rather than looking at these scenarios. Yeah. But well, I, I, I guess the, the point is, it seems as though Grand Prairie carries a lot of weight because they're number one in the, in the ranking often. So I would think if you win them over, uh, uh, you know, I, I would think that would uh, that would help help sell it. Um, at, at the risk of cutting my own financial throat to a degree, um, the more I look at this, the more I kind of like the 50% model, even though I know the 100% model is better, of course financially to a, to a minor degree. Um, there's still the philosophical position that I've held over the years, which is that it's both, is that things should reflect the reality of the municipality. It's a combination of people. It's a combination of business. We're not just, we're not a, we're not a municipality that has a hundred percent industrial assessment. We don't also don't have a hundred percent residential assessment. So there are benefits to us. And I, I think that, because all the municipalities range in, in between the you know zero and 100 percent, depending on what area you're looking at, then I'm I'm not comfortable with a model that's 100 percent assessment, even though it would benefit us. As I'm not comfortable with a model that's 100 percent population, because it doesn't benefit us equitably. 
um, I'm more comfortable with the 50% model. When we went into the ICF discussions, our, uh, our philosophy was go big or go home. Well, the ICF the things we were all, we were told right at the beginning, that, as a member, I think well, my position. Up with 50, 50. I think my position on the ICFs was quite plain and simple. They they ignored half of the. They said go into negotiations with only half the, only being able to deal with half of the equation. And I said, as I think I said at that time, I thought they were ridiculous. I thought they were a stupid way to negotiate, and I thought it was a ridiculous scenario to put municipalities under. This doesn't change that. I think I'm being pretty consistent. I appreciate the work that went into this. I empathize with Preta's situation where they've been on a, excuse me, on a population model all along. They, they had a reduction in their funding. They needed to come up with a new plan. They stuck to what they knew, which was population. Um, I mean, you can see by the data that's been put together here that it's not reflective of, this, of what's best, as Mr. Good would say, for the community and for uh, and a reflection of those individual communities. So I appreciate that. Um, the thing that uh, Deputy Mayor Manser mentioned was the AGM. So this decision was made at their AGM. And then if that's the case, are we, if we want to participate in PRITA, we need to accept the population model or where, where's that at? So, um, at this point in time, we have paid our fees based on the previous um, model, um, the 50 cents, I guess it is, and the 75 cents goes into effect in their next financial year because they made some cuts and whatever else in order to make the budget fit what they had in revenue, including the reduced grant this year already. So the 75 cents or the 50 assessment, 50 population would be for the next financial year because they can't cut more. <laughs> yes, yeah. So there's room for us to have. It's my understanding. Sometimes it gets a little bit convoluted, but my understanding, yes, bring it forth. It would be next spring still. very hard to uh, do that. We need a room that uh, can accommodate it with uh, very good acoustics, etc. So the town can come up with that and not have to pay too much for it. I believe so. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, counselors, if you could use your mics, because what's happening is uh, the people who are um, uh, listening in the audience don't hear you otherwise. They hear. Oh, well, we're just joking around anyhow. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's fine. Huh? So, uh, but, it's my understanding. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure if, if that's true, but yeah, most of the people that turn up there, usually there's only one per uh, municipality, really. Sometimes some of them have CAOs, administrative staff there, a little bit. Sometimes they, there's and, guests. And the CAOs don't get to vote, right? Correct. Well, we can have all councillors go to this meeting and put in seven votes for 100% assessment. 
I would find that out before uh, you actually physically attended. Yeah, I'd find that out for you. But the reality is that it'll be, uh, the reality is that it'll probably be a Zoom meeting and you'll probably only get to have one. one the September 18th, yes, is likely to be a Zoom meeting. Yeah. However, you know, in discussions uh, that went into the um, 75 cent uh, thing, I did bring up assessment and uh, some of them had gone back to their councils and thought, well, we knew a little more, maybe assessment would be okay. Some kind of assessment uh, part of the formula. So we can convince those people we should. A 50-50 kind of uh, shows that we're willing to play ball and uh, we get a bit of a benefit, but at the same time, we're still number three. We just dropped down from number two. So there's no reason for them to to throw it out of hand. But then, do we still want to be in Prita? That's the elephant in the room. <laughs> My feeling at, at that ratio with that bill, I think being in Prita probably has some value. If it was going to be 100% assessment, then I would not be willing to make that statement. If it was 100% population, no. Not a chance. Well, and the other no. thing that's, uh, you know, changed between uh, June or July, whenever that meeting was, and September, is this whole new linear assessment thing that is affecting some of these. So if they would go for assessment and their assessment goes down, then what they pay goes down because it's all based on the big ratio but, system. But I think that's why Byron suggested putting in that column in terms of percentage change versus their total assessment, right? I would say that it's a risk for everyone with the changes of the assessment coming up. And we, and as uh, Councillor Good pointed out, the minister thinks that that's what we should be doing anyhow, is looking to reassess our priorities but if we're trying to reclaim that 28,000 that, that we're going to lose we might as well go for 100 percent assessment model although that has some validity your worship i think that there's more value in the 50 50 myself it's more reflective you just want to hug too many people <laughs> and you know i'm starving for that these days right <laughs> can okay. we get a suit that helps you with that Okay, uh, who wants to make a, is this a request for a decision? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, who wants to uh, make a motion? Put it on the table. Uh, I'll make a motion that we, uh, that uh, we make a presentation um, at special, special resolution on the September 18th CREDA meeting to propose our, the following fund, funding assessment model of 50% assessment and 50% population. Back to 28,000. Okay. And, and you worship and One council. step at a time. And you worship and council. What we'll do is we'll, we'll do the motion, but we'll also provide uh, this report to um, 
not only the executive, but to all the municipalities involved and say that this is what's coming forward and this is what we did. So every municipality gets the same information. Thank you, Mr. Parker. That was something I was going to suggest. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. That takes us to uh, the report section. There's a briefing note here for the MPC minutes for June the 23rd and July the 28th. If you could turn to that and see if they've broken any speed records. No. No. <laughs> oh. Well, we have in terms of a lengthy meeting, actually, the opposite right. way. Oh. <laughs> okay. They went into overtime. Wow. Okay. Um, anything you want to highlight, either one of our MPC uh, reps? So the uh, yeah, the Alliance Church is looking at doing some expansion. So we were just uh, knocking around some ideas on how to accommodate them best into uh, something that they could afford while making improvements uh, to their parking infrastructure and that kind of thing. So you'll notice there's a couple motions that we uh, went through by the time we landed on something that the group could agree with there, which is not usual. Um, okay. So I guess the, the ball is in uh, their court and, okay. and hopefully they're able to do the expansions they're looking for and uh, the clothing bonanza is still on. And that's, uh, I think, one of the big services that the Alliance Church does provide to the, to the families of, of our community. So okay. if you have any spare clothes for kids, send them down there and they'll find a new home. Okay, good. The other one, uh, previous meeting, um, Northern Lakes uh, College uh, is uh, wanted permission to put their mobile training lab and generator at their facility for uh, a while and that required MPC to approve it. Okay, and you approved it? Good. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll do reports and information all together here. So proclamation request, October 1st, International Day of Older Persons. Uh, will that require a motion or uh, we're just gonna make that proclamation? Ms. Hume, we just make it? Yeah, it doesn't require a motion, just. Okay. Uh, anyone object if we do a day of life proclamation for older persons? I think it wouldn't be in your best interest. <laughs> does, does anyone around the table feel they qualify at heart though? <laughs> okay. A uh, letter from, the, uh, from FCM to the Minister of National Revenue. Oh, taxation of intermunicipal share agreements. You want to speak to that one, uh, Mr. Parker? Does, isn't this your favorite subject? Or maybe it's Mr. Town's favorite subject. Yeah, you're. Um, I could speak to it briefly. Okay. Um, the FCM through motion has uh, made some recommendations regarding uh, cost-sharing agreements between municipalities as a public service uh, should not be taxable. So um, they intend to discuss with the 
Minister of Finance or finance representatives about uh, clarifying this once and for all. Can we, so are we going to um, send a special uh, letter to the Minister of Finance, Krista Freeman, since we brought this issue up with her? Um, might be an opportunity to, to revisit this. Um, yeah, why don't may we have a more uh, captive um, yeah. audience to try to resolve this once and for all. Yeah. So the other... Pardon me? <laughs> The, the other thing, Mr. Mayor, is uh, I think we all have the opportunity to get signed into FCM at some point in time so that we can vote to get this motion passed. Oh, oh okay. So we should do that. Oh, so how do we do that? We just log in and register? Or? I get. Can, I think at FCM there's a little window of opportunity. I hope I'm not interfering. Going with AUMA, it's FCM. I'm sure. Okay, so uh, in, like today, tomorrow, the next week, look for an email. I might have sent you a copy, <laughs> and I need to yeah. reread it and uh, get signed in so that you can vote. Okay, so we don't we don't have to pay for an FCM. We're we're a member, aren't we? Yeah, we're a member, but. It, this is almost, this will be like their online convention, virtual convention. Okay, okay. Okay, so we have a to-do item, I guess. We won't put that in motion, but we'll, uh, everyone can register. Go ahead, Mr. Porter. I'm sorry, Mr. Uh, uh, Mayor. Um, what I'll do is tomorrow I'll find out all that information for you uh, to sign up with. I saw it, right, here it is, I've got it right here. Oh, that was the earlier one. Sorry. So I'll see about their online one. I'll get it out uh, tomorrow to you guys and ladies. Um, and uh, or if we could sign you all up, we'll just ask who wants to get signed up and we'll sign you all up and send out the information. One or the other will be in communication with you tomorrow. Okay. Okay. And so this one was the... Uh, letter from Bev Yee of Environment regarding the, uh, the uh, their uh, nondescript letter in response to yours. And Did I send you an email? Said Henry Fuller Davis sent us an email oh, the other day. Oh, right, right, right. right. That, was, that was disconcerting. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, somebody, uh, yeah, I guess it's uh, pretty common for people to walk out of their graves. And open Google accounts? <laughs> Enable the upgrades. Okay, I, um, I'm gonna, we'll put a letter under my letterhead. Um, yeah, you touched on it, Mr. Parker, that it, this is part of the uh, 
this is part of the watershed, but you didn't really talk about flood mitigation. So I will uh, send another letter um, and, uh, and, and address it to Ms. Yi herself. Okay, um, so a motion to accept for information Section um, nine and section ten reports and information. Uh, so, Mr. Mr. Needham, all in favor? Uh, any notices of motion, uh, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Uh, any comments from the public? At least none here. Uh, is Yume? Is there anyone? in uh, YouTube land that wants to make a comment? Uh, we haven't, we're not actually on YouTube today. Okay. Uh, we posted a Zoom link. We are having an issue with Zoom YouTube integration. Uh, we've had no comments to my knowledge. Okay. And what do you feel are the key communication items coming out of today? That's a good question. We don't have clarity or decisions on a number of items. Is there anything council would like to prioritize? Uh, older persons, right? Yeah, yeah, older persons. There's gonna be a proclamation for old people. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and the mayor uh, felt that uh, it was important to make this proclamation to, uh, to be inclusive of council. <laughs> okay, uh, so there really isn't much today. Uh, maybe we'll just go around the table and uh, and maybe uh, counselors uh, would counselors would like to uh, to highlight any uh, any bouquets or even any beefs that they feel that uh, administration should try and address over the next couple of weeks or any bouquets for the past work they've done. Like, did you hand out a, uh, we can start with you, Mr. Needham. You, uh, you tweeted something the other day, didn't you? Or texted uh, some great work that uh, the community services people had done. I'm, uh, I'm, you, I'm drawing a blank here, uh, but I, 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 I think, I think what does come to mind is, uh, thank you, is the ask Athabasca Hall. So I think, uh, while most counselor and staff have obviously seen the work of Tanya and I gather Alicia was a planning officer was involved and it's great. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, Tanya and to your staff. It, uh, it's a, it's a big improvement. And I guess, uh, uh, I, we may have covered this already, but uh, the addition of a couple of crosswalks in town uh, was a, a real plus. And uh, I guess a third comment from Councillor Collin would be, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, inspect uh, Paps Creek. And I know there's lots of questions about the existing uh, street damage just behind the town hall here beside the Tellus building. Uh, there was a town engineer and CAO and myself and uh, uh, had a tour and I, I can report that I was uh, quite surprised by the uh, the condition of Paps Creek. It, it does not, in my mind, look uh, damaged at all. It looks 
like it was built yesterday. There is very little debris in it. The uh, concrete floor looks good. Uh, I guess there's obviously some uh, work to be done on some of the valves, but uh, and obviously there needs to be an engineer. But anyway, I was asked to join in on that, and I I thought that uh, again I was pleasantly surprised at the condition. Now that does not to leave that of course there needs to be some repair work just outside of our building here but uh, I, I, I took that as good news so uh, I would uh, I would just leave my activity report there and pass it over to Councillor Scamahorn. Uh, you've had one uh, let's call it a bugbear for quite a while and that was uh, you'd like to see a bylaw uh, or a bylaw provision that addresses uh, vehicles parking in front of uh, sure. parking. Uh, yes, Your Worship. If, okay, I'll let me default to that. I, I've made a. Uh, a re we we do know we do now have, uh, as I understand it, we do have a couple of peace officers in town, and uh, this has been uh, this this goes to those two individuals now CAO. I understand that. Uh, I've raised this matter a couple times. Uh, I believe the CAO has asked that his staff uh, gather some information. They do some sort of an assessment and come back with a revised parking bylaw. But in a nutshell, if, if I may, uh, I have a postal box in my neighborhood. Uh, we got community mailboxes in Peace River 20 some years ago. I, I believe the federal government basically put them up on various e easements around town. I presume there was some consultation with the town at that time. But over time, I've noticed in my neighborhood, uh, there's large commercial vehicles parked in front of those mailboxes. And uh, in my mailbox, I believe there's about 36 residents pick up their mail, uh, plus the post office uh, contractor as well. So when she approaches the box, there's often a, a commercial vehicle parked there. And I noticed over things like Easter weekends and the Christmas period of time that uh, commercial vehicles are parked for that period of time or uh, during the holiday schedule. So my simple request is uh, you would think that you wouldn't have to remind people not to park in front of a mailbox within a period of time, uh, but they do. Uh, so my request or my, my bug would be if we could uh, put some yellow lines on those mailboxes and, and limit the parking. Uh, I don't believe we've reviewed our parking bylaw for a number of years. So uh, again, I've, I've asked Mr. Parker to look into the possibility of bringing that bylaw forward. And obviously we can uh, debate it at the time, but specifically it's community mailboxes um, and limiting uh, some access. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, and then just a little uh, follow up on that. Uh, uh, we do have two uh, peace officers that have been uh, working for quite a while here. Uh, we have been uh, trying to adjust the schedules and just uh, also get them to be a little more proactive. And, and I shouldn't say get them. Um, we've uh, directed them to be proactive in doing uh, uh, a lot more aggressive uh, uh, enforcement in the aspect of instead of waiting for uh, reports of issues that actually physically going out there and uh, uh, determine that there are some issues uh, uh, we still take uh, uh, concerns from the public and, and staff and, and council, but they're trying to be a little more aggressive in that aspect. And also uh, the second big component is to review all the bylaws uh, that follow under them and start bringing forward some revisions. 
And so this has been tasked to them. Um, we expect some uh, report coming in the future in the fall. Um, and then the third uh, component that we've done is we've adjusted their uh, schedule so that we actually have bylaws seven days a week. So it's not just Monday to Friday, not eight to five. It is seven days a week. And actually the minimum hours is 10 hours a day. And so, uh, and the most is 12 hours a day. But uh, we have done this deliberately so that um, on the weekends, even if there are some issues, they can come uh, deal with them. Uh, I, as council knows, uh, unfortunately, I'm the, the de facto bylaw officer when there's no one around. So I, I'm the one who has to deal with uh, some of the issues. Hence, I've been dealing with some issues even late at night too. Um, so uh, we've done this change of schedule uh, so that we could get that uh, good coverage. And uh, we've adjusted the schedule. So sometimes they're starting early in the morning, sometimes they're starting midday um, so that we can just really mix things up and uh, you know, be a little more aggressive. So that's basically what we're trying to do right at this moment. Uh, Mr. Scalward. Okay. Uh, yeah, so big shout out about the, uh, the crosswalk. That's great. Um, and after all that, I forgot whatever else. Oh, the patios have been fantastic, by the way. So that I believe is another thing that came out of our planning department and and stuff. So uh, yeah, planning department. Uh, also the uh, the accessibility plan. Um, I recently had a, a conversation with a, a friend of mine that has uh, accessibility issues of their own uh, regarding eyesight and that kind of thing. And and he had some questions about that and taxi pass and other things. And I said, hey man, this this accessibility plan that administration has just put out is. I believe the phrasing I used was that it's dope, but it's a council meeting. So I'll try to be a little more eloquent, <laughs> but it, it is, it is very good. And it's something that, uh, that we can incorporate into our strategic plan, hopefully, uh, over the next number of, of years. And, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's also something that I'd like to give a big shout out for. Okay. Support. Um, mine wasn't on the agenda, but it, it has to do with uh, the crime prevention we've been working on. So Honorable Schweitzer has actually made this announcement here just re recently and the Recycling Act has changed and those laws will be coming into effect September 1 and October 1. So a lot of the stuff is targeting um, the, the property crime and uh, the copper thefts and thefts of batteries. So now when you when a person takes those in and sells them to a recycler, the, the places like Hilltop Auto, Tervita, now are mandated by law to, to request the photo ID and you have to document and record those sales moving forward. Okay. Now, obviously I want to, I want to, uh, I, I want to uh, congratulate uh, community services and planning uh, on the uh, on the beautification work, particularly the artwork, um, I see that there's lots. We get lots of thumbs up on that artwork all the time whenever it's displayed. So that's uh, it's very positive. And um, uh, I do. So there will be one more mural that's scheduled for this year. We've had a slight hiccup. 
for this year and we don't believe we'll be able to install uh, at the location we were hoping to. This so is the one by Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. An adjacent property owner. Um, Objected? And we're in conversation and now we're running out of physical time. So, right. yeah. Is, uh, is there a, is there another location, like this is separate from this project? If somebody uh, uh, came up with uh, half the money to do a mural, would, uh, would you have a wall to do something? Um, Possibly, no, not a design, no. Because the particular design we've come up with for this site, the current location. No, I, I just mean just a whole other mural. Probably not, because then we'd have to get something designed and planned within the next week or two for installation immediately. Because we run into problems through September of weather. Um, it's really touch and go to be mural painting in September. Well, it would have been touch and go in June and July. <laughs> I would agree, June especially. Um, the paint would have been running down the walls half the time. So. Yeah, unfortunately, we've run into a problem with an adjacent, uh, a challenge with an adjacent landowner. So hoping to rectify it for installation for sure next year. Yeah, unfortunately. What about the wall on the sports building, right? That's right up adjacent to the Shell service station. It's possible, but again, at, at this point now, we've it's timing for okay. to design a piece of art. It okay. takes quite. I don't want to just whip something up. Okay. So, um, so along with that, I, I just want to go back to. Uh, somewhat like parking signs. So I do recall uh, when we had the uh, photo radar, one chap, um, he, uh, he said the signs at the Protestant schools were different than the ones at the Catholic schools. <laughs> so the... <laughs> <laughs> P Protestant, P Public. Um, uh, yeah, they noticed that. Uh, I don't know whether it was a speed signs or whether it was uh, parking allowance, but the this is for Springfield and probably Catravan versus versus uh, the. Uh, the Catholic one, and we should probably look to try and make those consistent. And this was three years ago, but and and I think uh, his complaint probably came because he got he got dinged once or maybe twice, and was kind of like, "Why am I getting dinged here when I wouldn't be getting dinged at the Catholic place?" But your worship, honestly, I think that had more to do with the swimming pool side of things that that part right there it's like it seems like the speed limit should be picking up there and it stays no it stays 
It's stage 30. That's what I think it's probably has nothing to do with no, the school. No, it was, he was talking about some science, specifically some Good science. question. And there was Roger Labbe that brought it up. He lives in town now still, doesn't he? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's probably an item to bring up. Okay, go ahead. Ms. Vanzer. Ms. Downing, chime in here too. Um, anyways, I'd like to thank uh, Engineering Planning for uh, setting up the Neighborhood Improvement uh, Meeting, which is happening this Wednesday um, by all sorts of means, including Zoom mostly. So this is the area around uh, the co-op. That's correct. Yeah, um, utility boxes are the other art installation oh, yes. that you were maybe thinking about. and. I've seen at least one of them, so I'm looking for, is there one? There's more than one. Yeah, I'm looking for the other new ones. I just need to yeah, sign them. Yeah, each sign and graphics are at work, uh, setting them up uh, this week and next week. Oh, lovely. And, and maybe I could just chime in there, because I, was, uh, I, I wasn't I was that keen on the idea, but uh, partly because I, I've looked at the ones BC Hydro put down in Lower West Peace, and I also looked at the ones that they put in Grand Prairie. and and beige comes to mind. Um, but um, when we got out, when we came out and got some original art, and, and uh, yeah, they're fantastic. See, that, that's what happens when you, you have your planner, you give her a little bit of free reign and keep the engineer out of it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyways, thank you, whoever, put into all of that. And uh, since we're doing thank yous, I'd like to thank uh, administration uh, for helping us through all this COVID Zoom business because I'm sure they've got some interesting dumb questions from myself and intelligent ones from others. But um, anyways, they're very patient, so thank you. Um, Mr. Um, McQuaig, uh, line painting, is that kind of still in process? It is. Uh, we've still got a few crosswalks to finish putting in. And uh, so we're carrying on with uh, that program uh, this week. And, and hopefully within the next week and a half, we'll have that program wrapped up for the year. Is the one happening over by the seniors' apartment and hospital? Or is that one of the ones that we're looking at. Oh, great. Um, anyways, also thank you, Admin, for uh, doing some bylaw on noise complaints. Uh, I understand that the ones that were attending to um, the noisy people have calmed down at least during the evening hours. Thank well, you. I wasn't aware of that. Okay. Your Worship, uh, again, same loving the artwork. It's fantastic. I just drove by Athabascal. I've been out of town just on my way here and I was absolutely thrilled. Uh, I also wanted to just take a moment to do a shout out to our uh, community agencies and our community sports groups they've worked really hard to get ready for this September and uh, I commend them the the amount of work that they have to do and the reading and the prep it's extensive and uh, I think we're going to be very pleased with how that all plays out right. yeah and I want to add uh, one one more item so I had a fellow from work who doesn't live in the town, but lives in the County of Northern Lights. And he went to Saddleback Park 
he said, that's a great park. And he didn't, uh, I told him, oh, there's more to do. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, it's a great park. Uh, he took his kids there. They, they really liked it. And, uh, and he said, and that, that skateboard park, that's pretty busy, isn't it? Uh, that's pretty popular, I think he said. And I said, yeah. And he says, yeah. My kids said, yeah, we should go to the park, take our scooters down there, Dad. So, you, so when the County of Northern Lights talks about people don't use our parks, that's not true. And that probably goes just as much for MDFPs, but I haven't, uh, I, I haven't. Yeah, I, I haven't got an actual uh, response back, but um, yeah, so those those parks are working out well, and uh, and I uh, just want to pass that along, particularly on Saddleback, because how much money have we put in there right now, roughly, ballpark? Uh, approximately 400. Okay. In change. Yeah. And you want another 400 to finish Absolutely. Or is it 800 that you need? Let's go for 800. <laughs> but how much is There's the, more neighborhoods in town. I think that the balance oh. of the workforce are at 600K to complete. 600 to complete it? Um, yeah. Yeah. The full program, yeah. That was 600 dollars a couple of years ago. So. For the whole thing or just the. Um, for trails. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Sounds like an addition to an ICF discussion for the new committee on the meet with the county. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it. Uh, yeah, he raved about it, and 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 he isn't the only one. I've had people in town also talk about how good it is. Good. Um, with that. I am willing to uh, close the session and uh, take motion for adjournment. Mr. Ford, all in favor? Okay, good show. Yeah. Every time, every time.